Welcome everyone to the Stupid Sexy Podcast, where we review every Simpsons ever. I'm your host, Chris, joined alongside by Dan. It feels like I'm podcasting nothing at all. Nothing at all. And Stupid Dan, Sexy Podcast. Stupid Sexy Podcast. And Dan, this is Season 1, Episode 9, titled Life on the Fast Lane. Airing March 18th, 1990. This is a Marge-centric episode. We also planned to be the 11th episode of the season, but obviously that didn't happen. Although it did win a primetime Emmy for Outstanding Animated Program. Mm. So yes, this is uh, our first of many, 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 many potential infidelity slash... Relationship struggles slash divorce tease episodes. Holy crap. And if you like it this episode, stay tuned for the next. <laughs> yeah, really. We do two in a row in season one. Freaking ridiculous. But uh, John Schwartzwelder's behind this one. This is Life on the Fast Lane. Um, it's not a, not a terrible episode, but... No, it has some of its classic moments. Yeah. That are, that are Simpsons classic moments, but overall episode. It's once once you start seeing the overabundance of that kind of a plot line, you kind of don't really wanna revisit some of these old ones. But again, we'll we'll go through it as we do. But uh first things first, there are no gags. We get the quick intro cutting right to the we chase like the medium quick intro because they show the school and then they go to the house right yeah like they they show like did they even show the i think they even show the power plant but they just go zoom in zoom in zoom in show like here's springfield and there's the house because we've got too like much episode the, when they saved so much time by having the professor and mary ann not said <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> The short version, they just like and the rest, and it's like there's two people left to be named. You sons of bitches! <laughs> I guess screw the professor and Marianne. Yes, please. Wait, 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 wait. What? 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 What now? Yeah. Oh, the Gilligans. <laughs> Imagine that as a podcast—a whole Gilligan's Island binge. That'd be nuts. Should do that with Jay on Jay Winger's new binge show. Part of CKCC Radio, the Bored to Death binge cast. I mean, those guys really were being bored to death. Although they... I mean, they are doing Castlevania right now. Great show, by the way. Yeah, it's not boring. It's just, you know, death. <laughs> the death part is what I was referring to. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's one way to do it. Well... That's the death part. It's Marge's birthday. Happy mm, birthday. Yes. Happy birthday, Marjorie. Marjorie, it's your birthday. She's 34, which I, I as you're seeing that, you're just like, God damn it. Because now Marge is younger than the two of us in this episode. Oh, like, the next Marge. episode has some shit in it where I'm just like, oh my God. Yeah, right. Oh. <laughs> we'll, get to, we'll talk about that. Yes. Okay, so... Bart and Lisa are preparing pancakes for her. 
and making the biggest fucking mess in the world. See, that's the thing, right? Like that's like the Mother's Day, Mother's Birthday thing. It's like, hey, we made you breakfast in bed. By the way, the kitchen is the filthiest it's ever been. So you get on that right away, Ma. Yeah, they got they're like the, the, what's funny about it is they're making the mess, but they actually have a really impressive stack of pancakes. Yes, they do. <laughs> Which is really the best part about it is if despite despite what appears to be failure, they actually did a decent job. And they're arguing about what their presents are going to be. And freaking Lisa's macaroni art is, like, ridiculous. Where it's, like, Whistler's mother slash Mona Lisa. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> freaking ridiculous, that one. And he's like, I got $4 for this gallon bottle of French perfume. Yeah, well... I just raided the macaroni cabinets in the house and made this really impressive piece of artwork. Bart's like, well, I spent money. Yeah, but we all know which gift was the best. By the way, and I'll say this now, that's a stance I've always wanted to take. Gifts should not be about how much money you spend. It's always about the thought in it. And if you're one of those people who likes expensive stuff more than thoughtful stuff, then, like, you're Michael Scott at that point. Because all that reminds me of is that uh, the Christmas episode. When he gives, when he gives Ryan the iPod, and he gets the the handmade what was it, like the handmade oven mitts or what Phyllis gives him, and then he gets all upset about it. It was like a ten dollar. It was a classic like ten fifteen dollar thing, and he gets like a three hundred dollar thing for Ryan. Yeah, and it's just like, and then the whole thing goes down. My favorite part is like when they're like, "Ah, we should white elephant it," and they're like, "Oh, I, I thought we called it blah blah blah," and then like Pam's just like, "Yeah, we call it a bad Christmas." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're this is not an office show, although we could easily do an office show. We could we do could a get lo- Pat back for an office. We show. could do a lot of stuff. We could do a lot of stuff like that. The worst part about this podcast is there actually is no end to it because <laughs> the show's still going on. But yeah, so kids with us were... going occasionally one week at a time. <laughs> yeah. Well, one the ki- the, uh, the kids burst into the room and scare the crap out of Homer, and they're like, "Happy birthday!" He goes, "It's my birthday." Uh, no, don't you remember your own wife's birthday? Of of course not, honey. I got a extravagant gift that I need to just go pick up right now. And I was like, "Oh, well, I think I'm going to go stretch my legs a bit." Yeah, and you just hear him. Slam the door, open the car door, slam the car door, take what, off. What, one of the classic Simpsons tropes is the uh, the the noises to insinuate what's happening. The, the hurried footsteps, the door slam, the car peeling out. They use that joke a lot, and it's always pretty funny. The best one is when uh, Krusty escapes the mob, and you hear the plane fly overhead when he said he's going to the uh, bathroom. That's probably the best one that they do. We'll get to that in a year and a half. Yeah, Yeah, I thought that too until we said grass clippings. Got to pay attention, Lou. (laughs) Got to pay attention there, Lou. (laughs) So, Homer's... I guess we'll do the movie when it comes up, you know. 2025 when we get that far. Oh, yeah. We'll do a bonus episode. We'll do the movie. So, here uh, here comes Homer at the mall. Of course, we got the old people walk in and he's... Trying to figure out what to get her, you know, sausage, no. You get, too salty. Yeah, too salty. And finally he sees a bowling ball and he's just like, ooh. If I get her this, basically the idea is if he gets her this gift, 
she won't want it, so she'll just let him keep it. And of course, Marge is on the classic thing where the husband does that, but not like purposefully is the thing usually. No, not usually. Yeah. And of course, uh, Patty and Selma are trashing Homer on the phone. Remember all those, uh, all those crappy gifts he got you. And he's just like, well, let's take you to the singing sirloin. Oh, you mean the place where the waiters sing to you? Uh, that's fine. And of course, Marge tells Homer what the plan is. He's just like, oh, just the two of us. And the kids. Ah, fair enough. And my sisters. Don't! Because, of course, we all know how much Homer loves Patty and Selma. Yeah, well, you know what? Like, he is just like, to them, directly to them, he's just grumble, grumble. But to him, they are fucking awful to him. Yeah, it's true. And of course, like he's see... just like grumble, grumble. Sisters in law don't get along, grumble, grumble. And they're just like, hey, aren't you a fucking loser? <laughs> yeah, basically. Patty and Selma are freaking mean. Fortunately, they do become pretty well established characters later on, but in these early episodes, they're just freaking nasty. I call them the gruesome twosome. <laughs> yeah, they, that's a good one, too. That's actually, we're almost there. Uh, yeah, so we see the singing sirloin. Of course, they've got the uh, the anniversary song. They've got yeah. the 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 celebrating pregnancy song and the funeral song because, of course, it, the first thing I notice is that they're at dinner. Is everybody's dressed up except for Patty and Selma? It's her sister's birthday, and they're not even dressed up for it. They present their gifts, and of course, the perfume is terrible. And they're just like, oh, man, this is a, where, how, where are you going to use this, Mom? A special occasion. What about this one? Well, if I make it more special, I'll make It'll it less. less special. Ha, see, I told you she liked mine better. And then Homer's like, but wait, we haven't had my gift. So they come over to sing. And Homer. Cake. And Homer. Falls off the bottom of the box. Oh, worst offense. It's that his bowling ball crushes the cake. Like, I would be so pissed about that. That's a crime right there. That is a crime. And, of course, it already has finger holes and his name on it. Of course. But you had the holes drilled to meet your fingers. Well, I couldn't chop off your hand and bring it there. But your name is on it, so you know it's from me. All right, well, I'm going to use it. But, but, Marge. (laughs) Yeah, you realize the plan heavily backfires on him. But that's it. Marge. I have my own bowling ball. I used to use my father's bowling ball. I have a funny story about that. Uh, we used to go when I was in college. We used to go bowling every Monday night because they had the uh, the dollar lanes, and it was me and one of my classmates, and then a bunch of his friends and his cousin would always get there super early and just take a lane, and basically just sit there and hog the lane for as long as possible until we could all get out of class and get over there, and. You know, you would cram six people on one lane because you didn't really have another choice. And the place was always packed, but we'd bowl a couple of games and it was always a fun time because it's cheap. So, you know, you could bowl. We would do like four or five games and only pay four or five bucks. It was a sweet deal. But I used to bring my dad's ball. He had a 16-pound ball, silver one. Really, I think 16 is the heaviest you can go, right? I'm not... Something. 
Yeah, but I, I always liked using the... I start, discovered I liked using the heavier balls because I felt like I had more control over them. And then one day, I'm going mm-hmm. to retrieve my ball, and I can't find it because the guy in the lane next to me used it. And when it came back, it had a huge dent in it. This was probably like... So, in, in retrospect, this guy basically looked like... Uh... The Jesus? No. No. Uh, I would say Big E. Oh, three and a half, man. Imagine, imagine a uh, near seven foot tall guy that looks just like Big E, like built like that too, like a brick shit house. And he actually oh, chesticles and all. Oh my god, he dented the bowling ball. So that was the end of that. Also, the shoes. Mine has a few chips out of it because we were at a shitty place. Also, the shoes oh. were too small and really, really uncomfortable. But it beat it beat having to rent shoes, so I just went with them. But it's the end of my bowling story. So yes, Marge is attempting to bowl, and all she can do is knock down one pin, and she's got the worst hurl ever because she's literally just side hurling yeah, she's the ball. One of those, she's one of those. Don't put the fingers in. Both hands on the sides. Chuck it. Boom! Yeah. And it rolls down. <laughs> yeah, basically. And of course. Uh, there's a French guy in the lane next to her, and she's just like, I don't see what I'm doing differently than what he's doing. And he immediately takes interest. It comes over, and he's just like, I can help you. I can help you bowl. Oh, I didn't even talk about Marge's adventure just getting onto the lane. She, uh, they're like, hey, you gotta rent your shoes. And he's like, well, what size are you? 13 AA. The guy's like, wow, lady. Well, here's a 9 and a 15. Because <laughs> it totally adds up. Yeah. Well, I was weird because I'm like between two sizes, really. But there isn't a half size there. Oh, yeah. So you got to. Anywhere. It's either too small or too big. And you got to suck it up. So I go with too big. Because I'm, I'm the same way. I, I'm a half size. So it's either, it's either tight shoes or loose shoes. But I started learning a. A trick. I start bringing thick socks with me, and then I just get the bigger size, and that usually works pretty well. You know, you just you put like the thick sock on over the one you got, and that actually works out pretty well. But yes, this is uh, Albert Brooks. He's back as A Brooks, of course. He's back as Jacques, the bowling instructor, and I can't even like review his dialogue because it's so it's so fast talking. But he's like, I can help you, Marge. Pick up Homer. Oh, it's nice to meet you, Mr. Brunswick. <laughs> no, call me Jacques. Now pick up Homer. Stand over here. And I like how he corrects her entire bowling posture by just moving her. <laughs> Be like, here, if you do your weird-ass hurl like this, you'll knock over all the pins. I mean, that's like that's like my top strategy. I go middle-ish. If I'm going one way or the other, I compensate by standing a little further to the other side. That's basically how it works, yeah. I'm hooking <laughs> right. Okay, well, then I'll start a little further left. <laughs> <clears throat> so, yeah. Well, it definitely March definitely is very flattered by the lesson. He's like, I can teach you to bowl. It's $25 a lesson. She's like, okay. Was it twenty five dollars? It's a forty dollar value. <laughs> yeah, I can teach you everything. I can teach you what the little arrows on the lane mean. I can teach you which frame is the beer frame. Turns out the little arrows are for 
love making. <laughs> they are for love making. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, Homer's doing his fatherly duties. I like the uh, the fatherly duty scene where he's just like, "Hey, look, pizza." Now, let's read what's next on the list. Oh yeah, clean up. All right, guys, let's team up, and they all just they all just fire bucket line the pizza box into the trash. And they put Maggie to bed, and Homer's actually doing a good job. Marge comes home late. She's like, I'm going to go bowling again. He's just like, really? Yeah. Okay. And he's got a little bit of suspicion. Because now uh, things are getting serious, because Jacques gets Marge her own wrist guard with her name on it. Mm. And then this is when we start the uh, the hands, the hand montage, because, you know, he goes to pick up the ball. There's his hands. She's writing on the scorecard. There's his hands. She's dipping an onion ring in ketchup. There's his hands. Gross. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Feel the lane. Yes. Feel Are you hungry? Uh, yes. Feel the lane! I love that. It just screams it. And uh, dr- even drives her home with the moon looking like bowling ball. And he's just like, uh, how about this? Tomorrow, let's go for brunch. And what's that? It's not quite breakfast. It's not quite lunch. But it comes with a slice of cantaloupe at the end. It's not as quite as good as a full breakfast, but it's still pretty good. Yeah, I've done the brunch thing before. It's I've had brunch a couple times. I mean, it's basically... Uh, you can have an omelet or a sandwich. Yep. They make a joke about that on Big Bang Theory with Sheldon, where he's just like... Uh, Sheldon doesn't uh, doesn't believe in brunch. He can't fathom being at a table where one person's having an omelet and the other person's having a sandwich. They're like, yeah, that's not exhausting at all. So, so can that, you have a breakfast sandwich, brother? By the way, that podcast is coming. I know you won't be part of that one, but uh, my the wife Big and Bang I... Theory podcast? What's uh, it going to be called, Chris? Right now, give it to me. Oh, jeez, I don't know. Our whole universe was in a pod-dense state? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Chris. Jeez. Why? You got a name? No, because I'm not going to be on that show. Oh, I thought you... See, you were hinting like there was a very obvious name to give it, and... No. Uh... No, it'll probably be based on an in-joke from the show, like how we called this one Stupid Sexy Podcast. So I, I might call it something like along the lines of Euclid Avenue. Or an in-joke that we're both a fan of? The Bazingcast. No, that's too obvious. The... That would be like calling this Doughcast. Dough. Doughcast. And then every time you have to say you have to do the dough, which... I don't know how Dead Castellaneta does that without destroying his voice, but I'm sure it's just... Dough. You mean exasperated? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Exasperation. <laughs> exasperated. But yeah, uh, so, of course, Lisa's suspicious that something's going on because their bag lunches are basically grocery bags full of stuff, including a comic book for Bart. Just a bunch of candy. And then Lisa... Ooh, piece of candy. Ooh, piece of candy. And Lisa's just like, yeah, Marge is just feeling guilty because marriage is starting to crumble. And Bart's just like, no, that's not happening. She goes, yep, stage one, denial. Why you gotta ruin a good thing? <laughs> Basically. And uh 
Marge is nervous about her brunch she's at, but she's eventually having a good time, and here comes freaking Helen Lovejoy, the worst character on The Simpsons. The gossipy minister's wife. She is probably my least favorite character on the entire show, and, uh, yeah, I think that's actually a popular opinion. I think I've seen Helen Lovejoy's name at the top of a lot of hated Simpsons character lists. Mostly because her entire purpose is to be a gossip, and who likes that? Especially because she's supposed to be married to the Reverend, but... But yeah, so... Jacques, to his credit, does try to cover it up by turning it into a bowling lesson. But of course, Helen's on to them. And then he finally does the bold move. Next time, no prying eyes, no Helens. Meet me at my apartment. Fiesta Terrace. And Marge faints and has a really messed up dream about dancing with this guy. And then totally agrees to meet him at the apartment. It's just like, yeah, this is this is not cool, Marge. The arrows are for love making. Oh, is that what it is? Homer finds the wrist guard, and now he's suspecting the worst. Bart's like, hey, let's go play catch. That <laughs> freaking concusses his father. Just throws. You didn't even say ow. Oh. Oh, uh, sorry. Ow. It's like, damn. And then, of course, and then Bart... he freaks out and he goes to Lisa. Lisa, you gotta help, gotta help. She's like, I can't. I'm yeah. on stage six. <laughs> yeah. She's three stages ahead of him. <laughs> Bart even tries to offer Homer advice. He's like, keep your mouth shut. And it's just, but it ain't gonna happen. And of course, we get the uh, the peanut butter and jelly analogy where Homer is like, Marge, you make the sandwiches. Oh, yeah, yeah. He gives him the advice. He says, you know, just go and talk. Yeah. You know, you make the sandwich and the, when the guy makes it, the jelly gets all over him, his hands get sticky, but you just... All, all the guys at work, they end up with the jelly all over the place. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's the other thing. Homer won't... Yeah, because Homer won't eat the sandwich later because she made it and... Lenny and Charlie are sitting there. It's like, what's that? Domestic dispute. Just knows immediately. And he's just like, yeah. I don't believe in keeping feelings bottled up inside. Then he goes to work. And then, of course, we uh, we do see Jock getting ready in his apartment. And he's just like, you're going to strike out tonight. Yeah, he was, he was ready to make those moves. But... Moves. Marge gets... All the signs. You know, there's the family picnic, the old couple, the headstones, the skeletons. And I like how convenient it is that Springfield Power Plant is one direction and Fiesta Terrace is the other. That's wow. the important thing that the sign is, is going It's literally through. a choice she has to make. It's a fork in the road. It's a one is where her husband is and the other is where this dude is. But then, right out of an officer and a gentleman... Mar Marge walks through the power plant with the music playing and all the workers freezing to look at what's happening. And she comes up to Homer. <laughs> what a surprise. You're here to see me, right? <laughs> <laughs> the best is Lenny cheering him on while the, the meter goes to danger. Hey, what well, do I should we tell the boss or whatever? He's like, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to be in the back of my car with my wife and I won't be back for at least 10 minutes. <laughs> Ah, that's great. 
It's also really the last time we, we truly see Jacques. He'll appear as a background character on occasion. In fact, he's a... Uh, he is in the, uh... The bowling episode, the Pin Pal episode. Because he's part of the Homewrecker team, which is... It's him, Princess Cashmere, Mindy Simmons, and Lurleen Lumpkin. LOL. Basically. And then if, and I remember as they're walking out, one of them just shoves him. <laughs> like, they're pissed off at him. But yeah, this is pretty much the last time we ever see Jacques as a true character. So, don't get too attached to Jacques. The French... The French bowling instructor. He's a douche. Yes. So, of course, we do have trivia for life on the fast lane. But first, uh, overall thoughts, Dan. So, it's a good episode. I think I said, like, the first chunk is, like, some classic content. But then it gets just kind of sad. I think it's an entertaining episode, but the storyline overall is more depressing than anything, considering they've rehashed the storyline so many times. When you go back well, and I think it. the next episode does it better. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Probably because the stakes are lower. <laughs> so, our character introductions here already mentioned Helen Lovejoy and Lenny making their first appearances. Um, at first, the episode was going to be called Jacques to be Wild before it was actually changed to Life on the Fast Lane. But why doesn't this make any sense? Because in the original story, Marge was going to take tennis lessons from a tennis pro named Jorn. So the episode is going to be called Bjorn to be Wild. Ah. Uh, but yeah, Life on the Fast Lane works better. But it's probably really difficult to animate tennis, and it would also be a hard way to make that be a thing, right? Like, it's a built-in, oh yeah, Homer got a freaking bowling ball, and she's gonna... <laughs> Yeah, bowling is probably a little easier for season one, because we don't get tennis until a way later season. Like nine or ten, I think, is when we Easier get. to build it in, too, right? True. The bowling. bowling, yeah. We already, we already know that there's a bowling place. It was on fire earlier this season. Yes, it was. <laughs> and Homer was really upset about that. <clears throat> so, yeah, uh... Did you notice the way Marge was laughing in the brunch scene? That was actually a natural laugh by Julie Kavner because Albert Brooks had cracked her up so much that she started laughing hysterically. So they're just like, that's the laugh we're using. I always said natural stuff that works. And Albert Brooks's improv in this episode was over three hours of material. <laughs> <laughs> And yes, when Al when uh, Jacques screams four onion rings, there is no French accent because that was an ad lib line that Albert Brooks just went for. <laughs> uh, John Schwartzwelder specifically designed the pizza box scene to look surreal because the family literally passes the box back to each other. And the reason we have no chalkboard, no couch gag, and even short short shorter credits. Because Albert Brooks's ad-libs increased the length of the episode. Because of course they did. <laughs> uh, second favorite episode of all time for Matt Groening, behind only Bart the Daredevil. <clears throat> favorite episode is Bart the Daredevil, huh? Uh, here's a concept that got dropped. 
the restaurant's called Shorty's. And originally they had scripted that there'd be a chef hat that you'd see moving around implying the owner was short. But they're like, that's really stupid. We're not doing that. And did you notice how desperate Homer was to get to the mall? The parking space he parks in specifically says no parking. Do not park here. Well, yeah, he parks right in front of the doors, right? In the in the fire lane. Yes. Welcome to Springfield Shoppers. Now, I didn't notice this on Marge's phone conversation. So, maybe it maybe it's but it's probably not the worst thing that they cut this. Maggie was repeatedly sucking her pacifier and that was how it was always supposed to be. She was always going to be the repeated sucking instead of just sitting there with it in her mouth. And they were like, no, that's way too distracting. So they just completely cut it out. Uh, I already mentioned Jacques appears in a later episode. He is in the crowd mob scene in the Simpsons movie. Now, we've mentioned Barney's Bolorama. Uh, There was going to be an implication that Barney was going to own it. Then it was that... No, he's just an employee. His uncle is the owner because they were just like, yeah, we can't envision Barney owning anything. Especially after the next episode. Oh, we see his apartment. Yeah. And James L. Brooks wrote Homer going too exciting when he saw the lingerie store. So. There we go. I think that's... uh, that's a good it's a good episode. Life on the fast lane. Final thoughts, Dan, before we head out. The arrows. I <laughs> <for> love making. <laughs> uh next time we come to you, we're gonna review season one, episode ten, Homer's Night Out. But until then, see you next time. Feels like I'm podcasting nothing at all. <laughs>